On this edition of Star Wars The Hyra Podcast, we go into the main Marvel Star Wars line, issue number four, where Leia makes a call to Luke while frozen in carbonite. Pretty impressive. So welcome back, everyone. Um, As regular listeners will know, I was able to finally get my hands on a bunch of comics um, about a week or two ago. Uh, My local comic book stores are still closed here in Massachusetts, where I live. Um, But uh, I was able to get my local comic book shop opener to come and do a little uh, curbside pickup um, of a bunch of comics. Uh, So that was very nice of him. And one of the things I was able to get was um, the fourth and latest issue of the main Marvel Star Wars line, which had come out right around the time when all of the stores in my area started to shut down. Um, So I was able to get my hands on that along with a bunch of other stuff and I'm excited to jump back in. Um, I had previously covered the first three episodes or issues rather in the main Marvel Star Wars line um, here on the podcast Um, and really I I think that there's so much to unpack with these. Um, It's great for me as someone who likes to really analyze and think and connect Um, and I'm sure if you're listening to to this podcast then you feel the same way Um, and these comics are, are just so full of um, of great material. I think it's what really sets them aside from the one-offs, which, you know, in theory, a one-off comic is like a great opportunity to delve into a story. And often they, they do one-off comics around characters who we're particularly, as a fandom, interested in learning more about. And I feel like they almost always disappoint in terms of providing a lot of you know, exciting information and reveals about different characters. Um, on the other hand, these main um, these main comics, although they don't have any kind of like, you know, connections to new parts of canon, like you know, connecting things to you know, understanding who Snoke is or who the Knights of Ren are, um, anything new that's coming out, they do provide just so much uh, information and rich context for these characters and what what's going on in between the movies. Like, it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that you know, we we feel like there's this whole Star Wars universe that the original films created, uh, and they, they're only, you know, it's like seven hours of material if you put them all together. Um, and in that seven hours of screen time, it's an entire galaxy that George Lucas created. And these, um, you know, iconic characters that will live on forever, it's really incredible. And it just, to me, you know, thinking about it in that context, it makes sense that We have so much, uh, you know, so many books, comics, TV series now, everything that's come out and and just the hunger for it. Because, you know, unlike something like Star Trek, which played out in in a serial fashion with a lot of movies, you know, long running TV shows, there was a lot of of content on the screen. Star Wars wasn't like that. And for, you know, decades, there, there were three films and that was it. And then there were three more films and that was it. And finally, you know, we started to to get more, you know, in terms of TV and now in the Disney era with a lot of films. But until recently, it wasn't like that. And so, you know, it makes sense that um, that there is so much to fill in between what we saw on screen. And these comics are, are doing a great job at that, in my opinion. So in issue three, we had Luke, Leia, and Lando returning to Cloud City, um, basically, you know, each with their own kind of objective or mission. So Lando went very specifically because he wanted to rescue Lobot, um, his, you know, deputy or, or assistant or um, whatever you want to think of him as, um, who had gotten left behind, which is interesting because we really, uh, 
you know, we see Lobot helping Lando in Empire kind of orchestrating the escape from Cloud City, the evacuation, and then we don't see him again, which isn't surprising because he's, you know, a minor character. Um, it wouldn't, it would have been kind of weird if he had like gone along with them on the Falcon. Um, but he is kind of a fan favorite character. And so it is cool that, you know, someone, these writers are thinking like, oh, what did happen to Lobot? And we do actually get a glimpse of him in the Aftermath uh, trilogy of books. We get in one of the, um, the little, I forget what they call, like interludes, not in the main story, but, you know, all of these little interludes um, that Chuck Wendig put in, um, which to me is what makes that a great trilogy and definitely worth reading. We see that Lando um, and Lobot, you know, like team up together after um, the events of Return of the Jedi. So we, we had known within canon that Lobot had survived and had eventually been reunited with Lando. And so it's cool to see Lando going back to rescue him. Meanwhile, Luke is going back specifically to look for his lightsaber, which Lando has told him, you know, would have gone into like a, a central, basically like garbage chute um, where, um, you know, everything that kind of falls through the cracks in Cloud City ends up. So Luke wants to go back and reclaim his lightsaber, um, which, you know, is a little bit... Um, surprising or I guess not surprising that he wants to look for it but it immediately raises a flag for the reader of wait we never saw that lightsaber again until it showed up in Maz Kanata's castle so you know does he get it back if so what happens to it like you know, why Why didn't he have that? Why does he have the green lightsaber in um, Return of the Jedi? So that immediately is an interesting point that, you know, I was really intrigued to see what happened. And then Leia is, is heading back um, because she wants to go investigate the carbon freezing facility um, where Han Solo was frozen in carbonite, basically because, you know, she's already plotting, um, trying to free him and wants to go kind of figure out the technology so that she can be ready to unfreeze him. That to me was kind of the weakest storyline. I mean, it's definitely it's a cool idea um and like it's fine it's fun it's it's whatever but it's also kind of it's the only one that doesn't you know like couldn't she could have googled that right <laughs> like there had to be a way for her to explore how to use carbon freezing technology without having to go back to cloud city but i guess she figured since everyone else was going along you know she might as well have her own little side mission too um so yeah uh that that was her mission and of course we end the the issue number three the previous issue with leia getting frozen in carbonite um herself because you know as she's investigating the facility a stormtrooper see her there and without realizing who she is they freeze her now the cover of issue number four is like a beautiful awesome like iconic cover we have leia frozen in carbonite and vader looming over her looking kind of into her you know frozen eyes <laughs> it definitely is an image that that stuck with me and um for better or for worse it is not uh like actually part of the story um she does not you know get reunited with her her father um while frozen in carbonite which i think is for the best like when i had saw that i was kind of thinking like really like did vader have her frozen in carbonite and she still managed to escape his grasp because that seems like it would have been a, a big deal um and maybe too much of a coincidence so i was relieved that you know that that wasn't what happens in the story but it's still really cool to get to see um to get to see that you know imagined on the cover and i love how you know, comic book covers in general can sometimes show us things that are, you know, 
uh, realistic to an extent within this story, but are also, you know, kind of um, fantastical beyond what is going to be explored. And this was like a great example of that, of just a cover that I love to have and like something that I love to own and, you know, a reason why I, I wait to try to buy comics in print. Um, and uh, and yet at the same time, I, I was relieved to see that that wasn't the storyline because it just seemed like it would have been too much to have her somehow recaptured by uh, Darth Vader. Now I am going to delve way more into the story and what happens and uh, why I think that it's interesting. And especially with, with Luke's journey, I think is particularly fascinating and has me really wanting to get the next issue, which so far, no print release date yet for issue number five um, and no digital release either. So this really is the end of the line. You know, I'm caught up at the end of this podcast and you'll be caught up too. Um, and we're left wondering what happens next. But I'm going to get into all of their storylines and how their time on Cloud City concludes um, right after a quick break. So let's jump into what actually happens for each of these characters on their journey. Basically, Lando is trapped with Lobot in a room. He's already released um, some kind of a reaction with the Tabana gas to uh, basically ruin it for the Empire, thinking that it'll make the gas worthless at least for the next several months, and that the Empire will probably just leave the station and leave the poor people of Cloud City alone rather than waiting for the issue to clear up. Then he has to escape the room with Lobot, and he's able to turn some mouse droids against a bunch of um, stormtroopers, which is pretty hilarious to see the mouse droids used in that way. Meanwhile, Luke is searching for his lightsaber in a huge space, and not surprisingly, he's not able to dig through the huge uh, piles of garbage that are there, where Ugnats are basically working to go through all of the debris. But he turns to the Force to try to find the lightsaber. I was kind of hoping for a moment like, um, you know, Luke pulling the lightsaber out of the ice um, in Empire Strikes Back, or Rey pulling the lightsaber out of the snow in Force Awakens. But instead of pulling the lightsaber to him, when Luke reaches out in the Force, he gets a Force vision. So he gets a bunch of flashbacks to Vader saying, you cannot hide forever, Obi-Wan saying, this is the weapon of a Jedi Knight, Yoda saying, your weapons, you will not need them, which is what he said when Luke enters the cave. And then we also get the Emperor here saying, take your weapon, when he calls on Luke to strike him down, which is actually a vision from the future. Um, of course, that comes up in... Um, the showdown in Return of the Jedi, which has not happened yet. Now, of course, the most interesting thing in this vision is of that same mysterious hooded figure who we saw in um, previous uh, issues, who looks like a Jedi and is speaking to Luke. And here they say, Skywalker, follow your destiny. And they ignite the lightsaber blade. Now, I, when I was first reading this, for whatever reason, it looked to me to be like this person was on Octo. Um, and I quickly realized that I was wrong because it's a planet with three suns. Octo has binary suns like Tatooine does, not three. So we know that it's not Octo, but it's a, it's a watery planet, or at least the part where they're standing is watery. And typically Star Wars planets only have one type of climate and, uh, and terrain across the entire planet. So what we see here is, is uh, rocks and water. So my first thought was, was Octo. Um, and I was wondering if this is Luke 
picking up his destiny like all the way forward to Force Awakens when Rey comes to him. But no, I I was totally wrong on my first impression. It's definitely um, this person, this mysterious figure. And, you know, on a previous podcast, I had said that, you know, I don't know who this person is yet, but maybe some of you listening do if you've read and caught up to all of the issues, which I had not yet. And now I can confirm that as of issue four, which is the most recent issue to come out, we still do not know who this hooded figure is. We just know that they are continuing to call to Luke. Now, Luke's vision is interrupted by Leia calling to him from the Carbonite. So this is really cool and uh, interesting. Luke, uh, Leia is actually able to reach out through the Force and contact Luke, even though she is frozen in Carbonite and clearly cannot move her mouth. It is frozen open. And like, to me, this is a great uh, example of how they, they probably should have picked up on Leia's Force powers earlier. I mean, I guess having watched all three trilogies and realizing that this whole like talking to each other through the force thing is something that's limited to force users. It's easy for us as the audience to now look back and say, oh, when Luke and Leia talk to each other in Empire Strikes Back, that should have been clear that that Leia could use the force because Luke wasn't able to talk to anyone else and no one else in Star Wars other than force users have been able to communicate um, you know, using using the Force across distances. So this is an even better example. I mean, how would Leia possibly be from a hibernation state able to reach out and, and call to Luke, you know, if she wasn't strong in the Force? So that was definitely interesting. And it also makes me want to know a little bit more about what it's like being frozen in Carbonite. Like, is everyone somewhat conscious or is this just because Leia was recently frozen or is it because she is strong in the force? It really made me curious about that and they don't get into it much at all beyond, you know, they do note that if you get out, um, if you get unfrozen quickly, you don't have hibernation sickness. So that much they did cover, but they don't go into any other details. So all we know is that Leia was able to reach out to Luke. Now, Lando has found himself into some more trouble, um, but luckily Luke shows up now, having basically abandoned his search for the lightsaber. Um, and we end with one of the Ugnats finding the lightsaber for him, um, but, you know, Luke has already departed. Um, and Luke basically says that he doesn't need that lightsaber to be a Jedi, that that lightsaber belonged to his father. He's not sure how he feels about his father anymore. Um, I mean, at this point, he's probably still doubting that what Darth Vader said was even the truth. He, he's probably still kind of in denial about that, at least to some extent. But Luke says, I'm going to be a Jedi even if I never see that lightsaber again. So he's decided to pick his own path, that he, that a Jedi, that the lightsaber doesn't make the Jedi, the Jedi makes the lightsaber. So that's definitely interesting. And so, you know, he gets Lando out of trouble by by using the force to push a bunch of stormtroopers since he has no lightsaber with which to fight them. So similarly, they all show up at a landing pad searching for Leia frozen in carbonite and Luke has to get creative to rescue her. So he um, uses the force to reach out and not just unfreeze Leia from carbonite, but also unfreeze all of these other political prisoners that they have gathered that they're getting ready to ship off to the uh, Imperial security. Bureau or ISB. Everyone unfreezes all at once and Luke pulls their uh, their guns out of their hands and arms the, the uh, previous um, previous prisoners who uh, proceed to fight back, led of course by Leia, who then recruits them all to join the rebellion. It's a really cool scene. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's not the most realistic necessarily. I mean, it does go 
you know, to show that Luke has grown very rapidly in the Force, um, as, you know, in, in between uh, episodes five and six. Um, but it's definitely a really fun scene. And we also see Luke get his X-Wing back, which is a great point and something that I never thought about is that Luke escapes Cloud City in the Millennium Falcon um, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, and then he has his X-Wing back again, um, you know, in, in the... Um, Return of the Jedi, I guess. I mean, do we ever see him in the X-Wing? I'm trying to think. He's in the Falcon at the beginning. And then, yes, he uh, after they leave uh, Tatooine, uh, Luke goes back to Dagobah to keep a promise to an old friend, he says. And the rest of the crew um, goes to meet up with the Rebel fleet. So, yes, Luke does mysteriously get his X-Wing back in Return of the Jedi after having totally abandoned it in Cloud City and the Empire Strikes Back. So now we know how he got his X-Wing back. And frankly, I, I think if, if you know, if I were Luke, I may have been just as worried about that as I was about the lightsaber. I mean, he had some pretty good memories. And that X-Wing, like, taking out a Death Star, so <laughs> even if he wasn't going to go back to Cloud City for his lightsaber, just getting his X-Wing uh, probably would have been enough to justify the journey. So anyway, this episode ends with them flying off. Um, Lando kind of gets a sense of fulfillment, not only for saving Lobot, but also for saving a bunch of other people who they unfroze from Carbonite and were able to take from Cloud City. So that's really cool. And he gets a little bit of a sense of what it feels like to be a hero, to be a good guy. Um, he seems to really bask in that glory and not just because it includes a, a hug from a lovely woman, which I'm sure he was uh, also pleased with. So I think we're seeing him kind of turning a little bit more into to the more noble um, character and leader that we see in Return of the Jedi. And the, the issue ends with Luke flying off on his own to go search for that person who is calling to him in the vision. Now, what's really interesting is that, you know, I think two issues back, uh, we saw this hooded figure holding up the lightsaber, <clears throat> and that was kind of what made Luke want to go to Cloud City. And, you know, when I was reading it, at least, I assumed that this person, you know, actually had the lightsaber physically in their hands and that Luke was was seeing them with the lightsaber. Now, maybe they did have the lightsaber at Cloud City, but they obviously dropped it and left it if they did because an Ugnaught found it there. It was still on Cloud City. And when Luke has this next vision of the hooded figure, they still see that, you know, this person still has a lightsaber in their hands. That's what Luke sees in the vision. But we know that the lightsaber is right there in one of these piles of junk on Cloud City. So obviously, you know, the, the visions of this person um, are not uh, to be taken fully literally. And I think that's totally in line with Star Wars, where, you know, um, Yoda says uh, difficult to see the future is, you know, he he tells Luke and previously he told Anakin that you can't put too much stock into visions. You can't interpret them on a literal basis. And I think that's definitely what we're seeing here that, you know, this person is calling to Luke. We don't know who they are. We don't even know if they're alive or it could be a spirit. Um, you know, we don't know if they're good or that they're bad, but we do know that whatever Luke is seeing, um, you know, there, it's not, it's not a direct vision of what's happening because this person does not have Luke's lightsaber. Um, it, it's definitely left on cloud city. That brings up a separate <clears throat> interesting point, which is, again, going back to Maz Kanata, you know, we, it still leaves totally open how Maz gets the lightsaber. And I was kind of hoping that we were going to get something about that. Um, and maybe we will, but, you know, it probably just reflects the fact that the timeline is off and that 
you know, there wasn't really a reason for Maz to be on Cloud City and to grab the um, the lightsaber right away. So she probably picked it up some years later in one form or another. And, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to get that answer anytime soon. In any case, Luke, at the end of the issue, does go off searching for the planet that he saw. So obviously he thinks that the vision is at least literal enough to to use as a way of tracking down this person. And I don't know what planet it is. Like I said, at first I, I thought Octo. It's definitely not. Um, it doesn't really look like a planet that I'm familiar with. Um, the rocks kind of remind me of what we saw of Parnassus, which is the planet that Phasma's from. But I think that at this point, um, that planet would have long ago, ago been poisoned. Um, so I don't think it's Parnassus. Um, I really don't know, but I'm not the best uh, person at picking up like visual cues. Um, that's not really my strong point. So someone else could see that image and have an idea right away. And of course, it could be a totally new planet and probably is. And that way, it'll be a surprise for us all. But anyway, that's how the episode ends is with Lando and Loba and Leia flying off in a stolen Imperial shuttle and Luke and R2 going off on this mission. Now, it it is interesting here, too, because Luke is choosing to chase this vision instead of going back to Master Yoda. And we know that Luke has had some abandonment issues. He hasn't been able to talk to Obi-Wan or Yoda through the Force, um, and he feels like you know, he's missing their presence. Um, and yet when he gets a little bit of uh, PTO, a few vacation days from the Rebel Alliance, you know, Leia says you've earned you've earned the right to take some time off. He chooses to go chasing this vision instead of going back to his master. Um, and so that's interesting um, that he made that decision. And obviously, you know, they had to make him make that decision. They couldn't bring him back to Yoda because it's clear in Return of the Jedi that he's, you know, returning to Yoda for the first time. Um, but, you know, it, it is, um, I hope that they, that they unpack that a little bit and explain that, you know, maybe Luke felt too ashamed to go back to Yoda sooner, or maybe, you know, he really felt like this was pressing, but I hope that we don't see Luke with a lot of downtime, um, and not an explanation for why he doesn't go back to Yoda, because if not, that to me is a little bit of a, of a plot hole. Like, I think when I saw the films, I assumed that he had been so busy fighting the Empire that he hadn't made it back to see Yoda in all of that time. So, you know, if he does have some time for side adventures, I hope that they'll unpack why that's the case. And I suspect that the reason will be that, you know, Luke... Um, probably felt like embarrassed or ashamed or like he had failed Yoda. Um, Yoda had been right. You know, Yoda said, you're not ready to face Vader. And um, he wasn't. He also may feel, um, you know, we, we see in Return of the Jedi that he feels kind of betrayed by Yoda and Obi-Wan for not telling him the truth about his father. So he, it's probably a combination of all of these emotions that he feels like he's not ready to face Yoda yet. Um, but it did, it did seem interesting to me, especially... Even just the image here of Luke flying off in his in his um, X-wing. Meanwhile, you know we have the shuttle going out from the planet in the other direction. It really visually reminded me of that moment in Return of the Jedi after they rescue Han when when the team splits up and we see Luke peeling off and putting the rebellion on hold to go back and finally reunite with Yoda. It reminded me of that here, and that's what made me think, huh? It is kind of interesting that he doesn't go back to see Yoda and instead chooses to go chase after this, um, you know, mysterious vision that he's seen. 
Anyway, that's where we leave off in the series, and that's as much as we've gotten. And, you know, I tried to do some digging and see if there's any, you know, replanned release date for the next issue, and I can't find anything. Um, Marvel doesn't ha seem to have any update. I mean, they don't really have a great website to begin with, <laughs> uh, and they don't seem to have a, a big... Um, like a, a serious update to their publication schedule since all this happened. They put out a press release a couple weeks ago that said um, what, when some issues were going to be coming out. And in that, they shared that um, Afro will be back supposedly next week, supposedly on um, May 27th. Uh, that that's when they're starting their print runs again, and Afra is among the the first issues in the first print run that's coming out um, since they stopped publication in March. So we do know that that's at least when they're um, planning on on printing Afra. Um, they also said that a few weeks after that will be the next issue of um, the Bounty Hunters series, but they haven't said anything for the main Marvel Star Wars line yet. At least not that I've been able to find um, digging around. So. Um, We'll wait and we'll see what happens, but right now this we're all caught up. Um, I'm caught up, and if you've been reading along or even if you're just listening, you're caught up, and we'll see what happens next. But they definitely um, have my attention, and I'm looking forward to continuing this series. Now, in the meantime, what will I be covering on the podcast while I wait for new things to start coming out? Uh, as I mentioned briefly on the last issue um, or episode, I managed to get um, all the issues of the Dark Temple series, um, which is basically a prequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, so I'm really excited to read that. And so I'm going to be covering those and also talking about um, Jedi Fallen Order. You know, they just had an update um, of content for Jedi Fallen Order that came out for Star Wars Day. So I'm planning on uh, I'm playing through some of that and talking about how that goes. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, I do have the first issue of um, the Bounty Hunter series to cover at some point, um, and pretty soon we'll have new books coming out too. So there really is a lot to look forward to for Star Wars fans, um, even though we've been going through a little bit of a dry spell with the comics being suspended. Um, you know, hopefully we're, we're close to the other side of this terrible pandemic. And one of the many things that we have to look forward to is, um, you know, more uh, Star Wars content coming out as that happens. So anyway, be sure to turn in for the next uh, episode of the podcast. Hopefully you are subscribed so that you will automatically um, get a notification or even a download when the new episode comes out. Um, and if you haven't already read the Dark Temple series, uh, I would encourage you to pick that up if you'd like. You can download them um, individually online. Um, they're also going to put out the full, um, you know, trade paperback um consolidated version with all five issues that'll be coming out in uh i think in july so we're still a little bit of a ways off for that um but yeah definitely feel free to read along or just listen along and i'll, I'll cover all of the major points and you can also play along if you haven't tried out any of the new features on jedi fallen order um i'm gonna uh download that update and start playing through some of that so um hopefully you'll be able to uh enjoy the podcast while also enjoying this new content that we're getting or at least reasonably new content and and meanwhile we'll keep our fingers crossed for other stuff to come out um we'll, we'll see if we get an issue of Afra <laughs> next week. I know the digital version's already available, so some folks have already read it, but um, I'm subscribed to the print run, so I I'm not going to pay twice, and I just have to be patient and wait for it to come in my mailbox. So anyway, hang in there, um, stay well, and look forward to speaking to you on the next episode. <laughs>